0: Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smart and today's episode, Raising Healthy Kids. Lenora Skenazzi, and I hope I'm saying her name right, is a syndicated columnist and the mother of a nine-year-old. Last year, she wrote a column entitled Why I Let My Nine-Year-Old Ride the Subway Alone. Here's an excerpt from it. Anyway, for weeks my boy had been begging for me to please leave him somewhere, anywhere, and let him try to figure out how to get home on his own. So that sunny Sunday... I gave him a subway map, a metro card, a $20 bill, and several quarters just in case he had to make a call. Long story short, my son got home ecstatic with independence. And I imagine, she doesn't say it, but I imagine he felt like a real man. He had accomplished something. And she goes on to detail in this column, she didn't follow him. She didn't give him a cell phone. She wasn't trailing him. She honestly let him do it on his own. And as a result, she got tons of email. A lot of it telling her that she was a horrible, horrible parent. And a lot of it telling her it was a wonderful thing that she did. Well, the people that told her it was a horrible thing, they were wrong. It was a wonderful thing that she did. And the response that she got, was so out of proportion to what she thought she'd get that it inspired her to start a blog called Free Range Kids. Isn't that a great name? Free Range Kids. And she talks about trying to raise kids that are are healthy and aren't afraid of the world around them, that are willing to take reasonable risks and chances. And there was one series where she's talking about buying one of her kids a skateboard and how All the internal questions and, and, you know, societies tells you that it's such a horrible thing, but how to deal with all of that. It's a great blog. Look it up. Uh, I don't have the URL handy, but you'd forget it anyways. But it's real easy to remember free-range kids. I was a free-range kid. I grew up as a free-range kid. I climbed trees, uh, hardly ever fell out of them. We played all kinds of kid games, ran all over the neighborhood. A lot of the games that we played... Some were standard games, some were ones that we made up, but a lot of them seemed to involve tackling each other. We made firecrackers out of caps and smoke bombs out of wooden matches. One of our favorite things to do was to go garbage picking when spring cleaning came around. We had this spring cleaning where anybody could put anything out on the curb, appliances or anything, and the city would come and pick it up for over this two week period. Well. We would go out garbage picking, we'd tie a wagon on the back of our bikes, and we would go out and scrounge for stuff, but what we really wanted more than anything else was bicycle parts. Any bicycle part that was even remotely functional, we'd grab, we'd take them home, we'd stockpile them, and then over the summer, we would build Franken-bikes from these parts, and use them for things that we wouldn't want to use our good bikes for. There was a reservoir behind my house with a great big hill, and we'd build these... Little makeshift plywood jumps at the bottom of the hill and go sailing down the hill, and it felt like you were doing 100 miles an hour. And you'd hit that jump, and if it didn't collapse, because sometimes it did, you hit that jump, you go flying in the air on this rickety old bicycle, and you try and land on the back wheel and not fall down and kill yourself. And we also like to use these Franken bikes. I mean, sometimes they didn't even have the same wheel sizes on them, they, they were pretty, pretty grotesque looking. And we would have demolition derbies. We would have demolition derbies on asphalt. We had no helmets. We had no elbow pads or knee pads. They didn't even exist back then for kids, as far as I know. And we would ride around in circles and smash into each other. And nobody ever really got hurt. Yeah, we got bumps and scrapes and bruises. But nobody broke anything. There were no concussions. And we had a great time. But most kids these days never get to do that kind of thing. Their helicopter parents are watching every move they make, planning every free moment, making sure that they're engaged in healthy activities. They're taken to play in soccer games and baseball games where nobody keeps score and everybody gets a trophy. Because they tried. Parents who are doing that are shortchanging their kids on two levels. First of all, they're not learning the good things that they could learn from a real competition. They're not experiencing the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. They're not learning how much effort it takes to win and how good it feels when you do, when that effort pays off. They're not learning how not to be a sore loser or how to be a gracious winner. But worse than that, they're learning bad lessons They're learning that success or failure doesn't matter. It only matters if you try. Because you're special. Because everybody is special. And now, this generation of kids is coming into the workplace and it's been a real pain in the ass for employers. Because now they've got all these 20-year-olds and 22, 23-year-olds. They can't take initiative or criticism. Because they're above that. Because they're special. And they expect promotions based not on accomplishments, but on the fact that they tried. And a lot of them are unhealthy. We're seeing severe allergies, like we never saw before. Instead of being rare, they're getting to be commonplace. The same goes for asthma. And a lot of that, I think, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, the one on hormosis, is because of living too clean a life everything is sterile you don't have a chance to build up resistances to things the ultimate effect of raising a kid this way you tell them they're special but you're really hammering everybody down to the same level making sure that nobody sticks up nobody stands out because hey if everybody's special If everybody gets a trophy, trophy doesn't mean anything. Being special doesn't mean anything. The thing is, real geniuses, real outstanding people are not normal. They tend to have personalities that are a little on the bizarre side. But we need them. We have to have them. We need them to advance humanity. And to make our lives interesting, we need our Einsteins and our Oppenheimers, our Picassos and our Warhols, our Zappas and our Zavons. And yeah, we need our Bill Gateses and our Steve Jobs. Because they provide innovation, they provide employment, they provide all kinds of advancements and improvements to our lives. Now I'm going to sidetrack here for a little bit, but this is something that really scares me. There's not a lot of things that really scare me, but this is one that does. I'm going to read you a list of symptoms here, and tell me what you think this describes. Difficulty paying attention to details, or prone to making careless mistakes in school or other activities. Work is often messy and careless. Easily distracted by irrelevant stimuli and frequently interrupt ongoing tasks, to attend to trivial noises or events, inability to sustain attention on tasks or activities, difficulty finishing schoolwork or paperwork, frequent shifts from one uncompleted activity to another, procrastination, disorganization, forgetful in daily activities, failure to complete tasks like homework or chores, fidgeting, squirming, Having to get up frequently to walk or run around. Always on the go. Talk successively. Blurts out the answers before the questions have been completed. Now, that last one there, that sounds to me like the kid is smart enough to know the answer. And eh, who need, we don't need to wait for the big long question. I know the answer. What this is is a partial list of the symptoms of attention deficit disorder. Now, I look at this list... And it looks to me like this is symptoms of being a boy. This is the way boys generally act. And folks, I have no doubt that there are some kids out there who do need some chemical help. But that should be rare. That should be in the minority. And in some school systems, a quarter of the boys are on Ritalin or some similar thing to drug their personality down to the dull normal so they're easier to deal with i wonder what would have happened if einstein or picasso or david bowie or any of the people that we look up to as geniuses in their field had been diagnosed with add as a kid and drugged into submission And folks, this really scares me. It really does. Because what we are throwing away, what we are wasting by drugging the most interesting kids in the class, we won't even know. Because the next brilliant inventor, the next amazing musician, the next phenomenal businessman may instead grow up to become a pretty good manager at Target And we'll never even know what we've lost. Now, folks, letting your kids live a free-range life can be really tough. Because as a parent, you don't ever want to see your kid hurt. You don't want to see him even get a hangnail. But you have to let them. You have to let them learn. You have to let them experience. You have to let them get dirty. So, folks, if your kids never come home dirty never come home with a bruise or a scrape, you're probably not doing your job. On the other hand, if when your kid comes home dirty, filthy, just dirt ground in their hair and in their clothes, and you don't chastise them, and your only reaction is, oh man, what a mess. Let's get you cleaned up. Congratulations. You're a great parent. And you're well on your way to raising a healthy human being. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been (laughs) smartenized. Folks, I know there's been a long time between shows here. It almost seems, uh, you know, if I was into superstition, I'd say, oh, something's conspiring against me here. Just one thing after another. I uh, wanted to get a new PC, but I wanted it to still have XP on it because I wanted something with a lot of power and a lot of memory, but I didn't want it all to get sucked up by a stupid operating system. So I get this brand new Dell PC, dual core, 3 gigs of memory, big hard drive, I'm all set, ready to go. Hook it all up, 19-inch uh, screen, and then of course I got to sit down for at least a couple of nights and play games on it. So I'm ready to record, and I sit down, and I go to record something, and I find that the embedded sound card in it sucks when it comes to recording. It plays back pretty well, but that's uh, horrible for recording. Noisy, scratchy, uh, won't record above minus like six dBs. It's just terrible. Called Dell about it. Found out how nice the weather was in India, got no help, wrote to the chip maker, got no reply. So I was like, well, you know what? I got sound cards laying around. I'll I'll put another sound card in it. And unfortunately, I foolishly bought this narrow tower case. None of the sound cards had fit into it. So I'm thinking, well, I'll just go back and use my old PC. It's an old HP. It's kind of on its last legs. And I turn it on and it had decided it was going to die. Well, I had another HP that I hadn't really even unpacked. A relative had sent to me. It had a little more power. Thought, ah, well, I'll just grab that one, throw a sound card in it, turn that one on. It was DOA. I think uh, that's the third HP I've had that happen with. It just dies. Uh, no beep codes, no evidence of what the problem is. You can mess with them as much as you want. They never come back to life. It's almost as if there was an expiration date built into them. I, I can tell you I'll never buy another... Uh, consumer-grade HP again. So, anyhow, I'm back now to my lovely, brand-new, powerful Dell that I can't use to record a podcast. So, then I'm looking around. Oh, well, I'm going to have to buy a new microphone, maybe a USB mic or a mixing board that takes USB. And then I discovered a cable made by a company called Light Snake that would actually go from the analog XLR of the microphone to a digital USB on the computer, and that's what I'm using now. Seems to work pretty well, although there are some little differences and nuances that I need to get used to and learn. So, there's all my hardware issues. Then, of course, I had uh, the Podcast Pure Awards. That is taking up some time because it's come into a culmination. The finalists have been announced and we're now picking the winners. And I've also put together a podcast for the Podcast Pure Awards, a sampler, and there's about 30 different shows in there all different kinds of stuff so if you're looking for good shows that are under your radar that you may have missed check out the podcast peer award sampler that's at podcastpeers.org. and then of course there were other issues uh getting in the way like going out doing stuff getting together with friends that i don't see very often going to a lot of we have a lot of shows a lot of free concerts and theater and stuff in my area between saratoga and albany and i was all set last night I was gonna sit down record it get it out and but we've been waiting to go see uh west side story at the park playhouse there's this playhouse big amphitheater in washington park in albany and they usually put on a really professional show really good Well done, good sets You know, they spend a lot of money on it It's free And we usually go each year to see it And it had been raining a lot Off and on, and so we didn't want to get rained out Because it got rained out the last time we went So finally, last night I'm all set I'm planning on going home, recording this show And my wife calls me and says Hey, we're going to see West Side Story tonight I said, oh, okay So that delayed it by another day And it was a really horrible show They usually do excellent. Sometimes they're great. Uh, They're almost always really good. But not this one. This one pretty much sucked. I've never seen them do such a sloppy show before. The woman who played Maria thought she was doing opera, but she was really shrill. Maria, she sings loud and it sounds harsh and grating. She sings soft and it sounds like cats mating. The guys were off tune and the choreography sucked and the stage combat was was terrible, it was horrible, but it was fun, it was a whole big family outing and bad theater can be more fun than a good night of television, so, and there's all these things interfering with getting a show out. But uh, I'll try and get some more out for you uh, on a little more regular basis email lots of response to the going out of business sale episode and universally positive everybody at least everybody who listens to this show likes the idea of shutting down most government agencies one person sent me a link to the Wikipedia entry of all federal agencies and go look it up folks it's scary how many of them there are it's just amazing how much the government is interfering with our lives these days. I got a very long and thoughtful email from a listener in England, from across the pond, a woman named Pam Lee. Like I said, it's a bit long, so I'm only going to read you some excerpts from it, but I wanted to respond to it. Dear Dave, I'll start with what I figure you've heard a thousand times. I love your show. It's funny, fast, and every time you say eyes," it puts a big grin on my face. I haven't listened to many so far. I can only do it from my iPod after the kids are in bed. So you keep me going while I'm washing up. I know, I know, no dishwasher. What year is it anyway? This is what I love about podcasting. You know, I'm sitting here in upstate New York, just kind of yammering into a microphone, and months later, years later... Somebody uh, on the other side of the ocean is listening to it while they're doing their nightly dishes. It's just so cool. She continues, Saying all that, although I agree with most of what you say, you do make sweeping generalizations. For example, from what you say in the episode, Don't Call Them Traitors, you make it sound like you dislike all protests and protesters. Now, being a smart guy, I expect that you realize you are reducing your own arguments to the absurd, and I expect you credit your audience with having enough intelligence to understand that is what you are doing. I realize this is partly for comedy value, and also time factors contribute to this, I expect. Rather than saying, well, this sort of protest and activism is okay and that one isn't, it's a lot simpler to say that activists, or FIs, and leave it to the intelligence of your audience to work out that you don't have any issues with valid protests, such as what the suffragettes did and the black civil rights movement. Well, first of all, you're right. I do assume that the people who are listening to this are smart, there's enough stupid podcasts out there, we don't need any more of those. But on that particular one, I've gotten other emails on that one as well, and I think I wasn't as clear as I should have been. First of all, that was for an article that I wrote for the website back in 2001. And I was primarily trying to see how much fun I could have with a thesaurus. And the point that I was trying to make, without talking about specific protesters, was that when you see somebody protesting for something that you don't like, that you think is stupid, and you think they're idiots, you may be right, but you still should be happy that they're out there. Because that's a good indication that you're living in a country that still has some freedoms left. So, no, I don't think all protesters are FIs. I don't think the people who are protesting the war in Iraq, it was just a stupid, stupid mistake. And I don't think that they're all idiots, although some of them are too. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I needed to be a little more clear in that one. So I hope that clears it up. As for smoking, I would like to know if you have knowledge of any studies that refute the studies that show that smoking around babies is a factor in SIDS. As far as I know, this is an established fact, although I have not researched it myself. Pam, you're an excellent example of just how successful the anti-smoker propaganda has become. Now, I can tell just by reading this, that And like I say, this is a long letter. I'm only reading excerpts from it, but I can tell by reading it that you're smart and educated And yet you're left with the impression that it's a fact That secondhand smoke is a factor in sudden infant death syndrome Now first of all you ask if there's a study that refutes the studies that claim that there's a relationship between the two and that doesn't usually happen with anything you can have conflicting studies but not studies that are refuting studies. Let me explain. You may have a study that says coffee causes stomach cancer and then you may have another study that says coffee protects against stomach cancer but you're not likely to see any study that says coffee has no effect on stomach cancer and this is because of something called publication bias. If you say there is a relationship between A and B, there is a positive correlation, you're likely to get published. But if you do your test and you do your study and you say there's no relationship between A and B, those studies are universally ignored. So if you've got 10 studies that say there's a relationship between A and B and 20 studies that say there's no relationship between them, The 10 that are positive get published, the 20 that would refute them don't. Now, in the case of secondhand smoke and sudden infant death syndrome, or cot death as it is better known in the UK, I was able to find plenty of articles making the claims, but I wasn't able to find any of the actual studies, which you really have to do because you have to see the numbers. Are you seeing a 20% increase? Well, a 20% increase in any study on anything is nothing because epidemiology is too crude a tool to measure something that small. If you're seeing a 300% increase, well, then there may be some relationship there. But the nature of epidemiology and the misuse of epidemiology in worldwide today is that epidemiology can never, ever prove anything. By its nature, all it can do is give you an estimation of the probability that these two things are related. Now, we don't know what causes SIDS. People have been working on this for 40 years. Nobody really knows. The fact of the matter is that SIDS is more common amongst people in lower economic stratuses. Guess what else is more common there? Smoking. Statistically, people with lower incomes tend to smoke more. So there's your correlation. Any time that you look at something that's more common with poor people, you're also going to find that there appears to be a relationship there with smoking. But SIDS happens all the time in homes where nobody smoked, where the kids were never exposed to secondhand smoke, But it makes for good headlines, and it's something that the anti-smokers love to push. Phillips Y. Coe, the National Public Affairs Director of the Sudden Infant Death Syndrome Alliance, wrote a letter to Ash. Now Ash, if you're not familiar with it, Ash is to smokers what the Ku Klux Klan is to blacks and Jews, and that is not an exaggeration. These people hate smokers. They really despise them. And, of course, they're out there screaming that secondhand smoke causes SIDS. And this letter, basically, uh, he wrote to Mr. Bass the guy who is behind Ash, and told him to knock it off. Told him, this is bullshit, and cut it out. All you're doing is making parents feel horrible. So this group... This Sudden Infant Death Syndrome Alliance comprised of people who have lost their children and providing support for them, they are saying, no, this is garbage. Knock it off, forget about it. And what you're going to find as you do research on anything dealing with secondhand smoke is that almost all of it is a lie. Sometimes it's intentional fraud. Uh, If you go to uh, my site, The Facts, on DaveHit.com, You'll find uh, it's just amazing what these people will do, what lengths they will go to in order to make people hate and fear smokers. She continues, Personally, I cheered when the band came in. Smoking areas do not work. Well, they don't work usually because they're not set up correctly. It costs about five grand to do it right. There is equipment that you can get that will make a route... Full of smokers make the air in a room full of smokers cleaner than the air outside. But this is something else that the anti-smokers lie about. Uh, in fact, they have created this character, James Repace, who makes a living lying about ventilation. And I'll give you some references for that. I've had some personal dealings with them. It's been uh, entertaining and appalling. As a non-smoker, I used to go to the only place in town that served decent homestyle food and coffee. I would sit in the non-smoking section and cross my fingers that there wouldn't be many smokers that day. I've had smokers come and sit down near my small baby and smoke. Whether or not passive smoking harms you, smoking itself does, and it's not something I want them to associate with normal living. I don't want them to do it, and I don't want my baby smelling like an ashtray. I've had to cut the meal short and leave as it absolutely stinks in my opinion. It makes everything feel nasty, tastes nasty, and gives me a headache that could be purely a psychological reaction. I don't care. Smells nasty. I don't want it around me. Well, Pam, what you're describing is a personal preference, a perfectly legitimate and understandable personal preference. I, for instance, stay out of bars where the music is so loud that I have to yell. Now, some people like that, and that's fine. But I get up and I find a place that's more suitable to my particular taste. And even if they're playing music at a reasonable level, if they're uh, playing a lot of rap, I'm gone because I hate that crap. So what you should do is make your concerns known to the owner. But because secondhand smoke is not a health hazard, it simply isn't, the decision as to whether or not to cater to smokers or not to cater to smokers is a business decision that should be left with the business manager. Now, again, I'll direct you to the facts. I've uh, taken a whole bunch of pages. I had like five big long pages with uh, stories about places that have gone out of business and totally reworked it, and now it's a blog. So if you go to the facts and you go to the ban links link, uh, you'll be able to find a category there for Europe. Click on that. And you're going to see just how devastating this ban has been. I've got literally hundreds of stories cataloged there with links to the original stories. This has put bars and pubs completely out of business. It has got others on the edge of bankruptcy. It has closed down bingo parlors all over the place, private clubs. The damage from the smoking bans has just been phenomenal. As for cigars, never tried one, never had the urge. So I don't really know about them. Well, there's something more to cigars than just having to smoke. And that's explained in podcast number five, Come Together. It's uh, the sound quality of it isn't that good. I still hadn't quite gotten the feel for making things sound good. But it will give you an idea as to what the allure of cigars is. And also, on the smoking issue and the ventilation issue, I would suggest the episodes Wooden Johnson's, Reasonable Conclusions, and I've Got Your Number. I've Got Your Number is, I think, the longest podcast I've ever done and probably the most smartenizing one that I've ever done. And when you get done with that one, you will understand what statistics are, how they work, what they can and cannot do. That one is probably the least entertaining, but the most educational of all the shows that I've done. She continues, I look forward to your reply. I'm sorry if you've already addressed these points elsewhere. I don't get a lot of time online and have not read a lot of your website. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of your podcasts. Thanks very much for making a great show, Pam Lee. Well, thanks very much, Pam, for taking the time to write such a well-thought-out and well-written letter. I really appreciate it. I love hearing from people. So that includes you, anybody who's listening, hitman at davehit.com. And if you want to get the correct spelling of that, it's in the MP3 tags of this file. And you can also go to davehit.com, spell with two Ts. You'll find all the past episodes there. You'll also find a blog there that gets updated once or twice a week. Old articles that go back and the facts, which will help smartenize you on both statistics and the real story behind the dangers of secondhand smoke. And as always, never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously.